Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. We are so glad you joined us today. This podcast features messages, interviews, and discussions from Radiant Church located in Seneca, South Carolina. For more information about Radiant, visit RadiantChurchSC.com. Here's today's episode. Welcome to Radiant Church. My name is Andrew. I'm the lead pastor. We're so glad you could join us today from wherever you're watching or listening from. If it's your first time joining us, hey, go to RadiantChurchSC.com and click I'm new. Fill out that short form online for us. And as a way of saying thank you, we're going to donate $5 to one of the nonprofits that's listed. Well, we're taking a break from our study in Daniel today. We've been in Daniel since the start of the year, and we're hitting pause on chapter 8, okay? We're going to come back this summer and pick up where we left off. Um, and actually, we're going to finish Daniel up all together later on here in the summer. Um, but I really want to encourage you, go back and listen to those teachings if you haven't done so already. You're going to really be encouraged, challenged, and uh, ready, I think, for what lies ahead as well, okay? Well, life throws some really tough obstacles our way, doesn't it? You ever found yourself feeling like you're facing just insurmountable odds, like everything which could possibly go wrong does all at the same time? <laughs> Man, a few weeks ago, right before our little girl was born, my wife and I had, had, we just had one of those nights, right? Like, so we're tag teaming cooking dinner and I was getting part of it ready and she was getting the other part ready. And uh, she blames what she, she did on like, you know, pregnancy clumsiness, which apparently is a thing. <laughs> I don't know if you knew that or not, but, but it is. And she dropped like the spaghetti sauce and the meatballs all over the floor. And so I, you know, I'm picking all that stuff up and uh, making, taking care of that floor. Then I go over to the Ninja Cooker. You know, I put in some Brussels sprouts, you know, the oil, the seasonings, everything you're supposed to put in it. And then I realized after I turned it on that I didn't put them in the ceramic pot you're supposed to use. <laughs> yeah, I just threw them in and started the burner going. So if you can imagine, like, that's not a good thing. So you can't do that. I cleaned everything up, got all ready put them back in the pot the way they're supposed to go. And then the power went out. And then we finally got dinner up and running later on. Everyone got fed. And then one kid gets into the bath. He's fine. The younger kid gets into the bath and, well, there's a little potty accident, we'll just say, in the bathtub. So, I mean, it's just like, it's like one of those nights everything that could go wrong went wrong. <laughs> and those are moments that, that can be discouraging, right? Uh, and our little crazy night was, was, was kind of fun now. We kind of laugh about it and whatever. But, but there are moments that life comes, hits you hard, and hits you, hits you fast, and there are obstacles and challenges that you just can't look back and laugh on, right? And these are really difficult moments that, that can keep you from moving forward into the plan that God has for your life. They can actually hold you back. When we fail, there are times it feels like, you know, we failed for good, like it's just game over. And when everyone's telling us to trust God and His plan, it becomes a struggle because, you know, God sometimes does things which make absolutely no sense. When we pray because we really need God to come through, it becomes deflating to discover that His answer to our tearful prayers and heartache is no. We're calling this teaching series we're in, Keep Moving Forward for a Reason, because we want you to know that with Jesus, it is always forward, it's never back. If you feel overwhelmed, Jesus gets that. He knows how you feel. If you feel like your world's starting to fall apart, hey, he understands because he's been there. As we get close into this final hours of his life, when we kind of look things uh, through scripture, we're going to see that Jesus has more in common with you than you realize. Each week, we want you to see how he kept moving forward. And if he was able to keep moving forward, I can just tell you this here today, man, you can too. You can also move forward in your life. So we're going to be in uh, Luke's account of the life of Christ in this teaching series, and we're going to start with Luke chapter 22. Before we get there, I just want to ask you a quick question. What do you do when God says 
No. What do you do when God says no? Like, what do you do after you, you, you prayed maybe for years through tears and pain and heartache, only to have God answer your prayers with, nope. <laughs> it's not that he hasn't answered your prayers. Like, he has answered them. It's not that he hasn't answered them with like a, well, yeah, okay, maybe, but we'll do this thing this way or just wait a little bit here. No, he just flat out told you, no, <laughs> not going to happen. What do you do? That kind of thing can get you anxious, right? And it, it gets you wondering and thinking, does, does God understand what I'm going through? Does he care? Does he, does, he, does he hear me right the first time? Should I ask it a different way? Like, how, how do we keep moving forward when God doesn't answer our prayers the way we expect him to? And when God responds to your, your desperate, heart-wrenching, even very powerful prayers that you're praying is simply no. I want to take you to Luke chapter 22, verse number 39. Then, accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went as usual to the Mount of Olives. And he, went, and, and he told them, pray, it shall not give in to temptation. And he walked away about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and he prayed, Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Verse 43, then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him, and he prayed more fervently. And he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. And at last he stood up again. He returned to the disciples only to find them asleep and exhausted from grief. Why are you sleeping? He asked them. Get up and pray so that you'll not give in to temptation. Now this scene is the, the culmination of just what must have been a very emotionally draining week for Jesus. On Sunday, he entered Jerusalem for the final time. Okay. On Monday, he chased out the Jewish leadership that had prevented non-Jews or Gentiles from worshiping in God's temple. On Tuesday, he tried to get one last kingdom teaching in, but he was just fiercely opposed by their religious leaders of the day. Okay, uh, Wednesday was the day, too, that Judas agreed to betray him. And now here we are, Thursday evening, we're on the precipice of the most tragic and most glorious world-changing event in history. And earlier, he had shared one final Passover meal with his followers, and now he finds himself praying in a garden just outside of Jerusalem called Gethsemane. So Jesus is on the verge of experiencing the most painful hours of his life. He knows what lies ahead. You know, there's torture and crucifixion and there's death. He's under so much stress that Luke says his sweat fell to the ground like blood, verse 44. We don't know if Luke was being metaphorical or not, but there is a medical condition called uh, hematodrosis, where vessels around the sweat glands rupture, causing blood to seep into the glands. And this mixture of blood and sweat is a rare condition that only comes from extreme duress and stress, okay? So can I just say for a minute, I, I'm, just, I'm so glad this is included in the story. Like, it doesn't paint... You know, Jesus in a very great, powerful, glorious light. I, I get that. But I mean, like he, he had this all-powerful son of God who, who raised the dead and healed the sick and he's stressing out. He's dealing with immense amount of stress and anxiety. If you're struggling with anxiety today, if you're facing some things that just are keeping you up at night, uh, causing you not to eat, causing you to treat every day like it's just gray and cloudy, causing you to have panic attacks, can I just tell you, Jesus gets it. He's been there. He knows what that intense stress and that feeling is like because he lived it and walked through it. 
And they say, yeah, okay, but he knew how the story ended. All right, fine, but let's get something straight here. He didn't want to die, <laughs> okay? Like, he didn't just gladly skip to the post where he'd be whipped or, or hung, you know, uh, uh, hug the beam of the cross that he'd be nailed to. Like, he was looking at the events that would happen to him not 12 hours later, not as some kind of joyful ride. He wanted another way out. And if there was any other way for God the Father to save humanity from sin and darkness, like, now would have been a really good time for it to be revealed, okay? And that's part of the reason he begins to pray. Because specifically, he's praying for God to take this, this cup, which is his death, away from him. Now, think about Jesus' prayers for a moment. Like, every prayer that he prayed with, to our knowledge with what we see in Scripture, okay, have been answered with a firm yes. The dead had been raised, storms had stopped, people were healed, all because he prayed, and he prayed prayers that were answered by God. But this time, it's different. Jesus is at a crossroads. He wants God to find another way to save humanity, but there isn't another way. He needs to go through with his suffering and death. And I, I think at some point, a terrible truth may have begun just to, to kind of set in as he prayed, and the blood and the sweat just began to flow. He cannot save both himself and others. His prayer for the first time is not going to be answered the way that he may have hoped. He's, he's going to carry the burden of humanity's sin. I don't think we fully understand and appreciate like, what that means to say that he carried the burden of humanity's sin. Let me put it like this. Parents, like, you, know, you know how it feels when your kids do something wrong, right? Like, don't you take on that emotional burden when your kids do the wrong thing? Like, you didn't do anything wrong, but as a parent, you, you feel it. You kind of carry it, don't you? Imagine being Jesus. And you're carrying this burden of every sin, Hitler, Stalin, your sin, my sin, all on his shoulders. And that's a really heavy weight to bear. It's the weight of every dark human deed, every sin. Gethsemane suddenly became a very lonely place as he prayed. It became ground zero for God's plan to save us from our sins. Everything hinged on what he was going to do right here on the most important night the world had ever witnessed. Sooner or later, can I tell you that we're all going to find ourselves in our own Gethsemane, carrying a heavy weight with us. Our Gethsemane looks different than what Christ looked like. Our, our Gethsemane might be the hospital or, or, or the courtroom. It's the phone call we dreaded getting. It's the place of loneliness where we feel at times the pain of isolation. Sometimes they're the places where we're dealing with the weight of injustice and betrayal. And other times, they're darkened by the deep grief that we carry. They're the long nights and the paced floors and the tears which have run dry. What do we do we find ourselves in those situations, in those Gethsemane moments that our, 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 our desperate and passionate prayers are just not being answered by God. Or maybe God is saying, you know, no. How do we keep moving forward if we feel like we've hit a wall? How do we keep moving forward if we feel like we're just left all alone? I, I'll tell you this here today. We keep praying. You keep praying. Let's look back at Christ for a moment. Why does he continue to pray? God's not answering, you know, in the way that he would like to. He's discovering there's not another way out. He's going to have to die. But he keeps praying anyway. He keeps going. He actually prays for God's will to be done. And even though he isn't given the answer he may have wanted, he does receive something from God the Father. 
Did you notice that there's an angel that appears in the story? Angel appears to comfort him in verse 43. And that tells me this, that when we pray, even in our, our Gethsemane moments, we're not alone. Like God is with us. Even if he's not answering, even if he's saying no, like he's there with you and with me. And so Jesus keeps moving forward, knowing he isn't alone in one of the darkest moments of his life. And Luke tells us that he keeps praying. And this time after that, you know, assurance from the, from the angel, he prays with more passion. He prays fervently, we're said. That means he's praying with greater intensity and purpose than what he did before. See, prayer is our, our connection to God. It builds our relationship with him. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 tells us this. Don't, don't worry about anything, right? But pray, and the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds. And if we keep praying, we'll keep moving forward. When you encounter resistance from the enemy, man, keep praying. When the dark nights come, keep praying. We don't know how to pray anymore because like Jesus, you've, you've been praying with intensity and purpose. Don't stop. Keep moving forward. <clears throat> Keep praying even we don't know how to pray. Because Romans 8.26 tells us that in those moments, the Spirit of God prays for us. You are not alone. God is with you. Keep moving forward and keep praying. Shortly after uh, Jesus returns from the prayer, the soldiers do arrive to arrest him. And while he's able to courageously accept God's will, his closest friends, they all disperse and abandon him. See, the difference between Jesus and his followers in this Gethsemane moment was the persistence to pray. He kept praying, and because he kept praying, he was able to face the pain and suffering at the cup which lay ahead. Perhaps his brother James had this story in mind when he wrote, to his church about the power of prayer. James says this, that the prayers of righteous people are both powerful and effective. No matter what you're facing today, even if God has said no, keep moving forward. Keep praying. Your prayers are powerful and they're effective. So Jesus kept moving forward because he kept praying, but he also did something else, which I think was equally important. See, when God says no, our response should, should mirror that of Jesus. You know what he did? He kept trusting. You got to keep trusting too. Jesus kept trusting God's will. He trusted God's will was good for him. He trusted God's will was right for him. And when you find yourself in a difficult moment like this, when you find God's answer to your prolonged and desperate, faith-filled, hopeful prayers is no, keep trusting. Trust the plan that God has for you. In those Gethsemane moments, it can be difficult to trust that plan, but his plans are good and they do provide hope. I said earlier that we're taking a break from our study in, in Daniel, but you know, the, the whole reason Daniel is even in Babylon to begin with is because of the destruction and the fall of, uh, of, of Judah and Jerusalem. So there's a prophet named Jeremiah who was the most vocal and prominent of those voices in Daniel's childhood, and he was telling the people, hey, you got to turn back to God. Hey, you got to come back. If you don't, destruction's coming. And in the midst of that preaching, God gave Israel a word. And he says in Jeremiah 29:11 that his plans for the Jewish people, even in the midst of impending judgment, and destruction were to give them a future and a hope. Now, I, I might just be naive enough to believe that if God promised his people they had a future and they had a hope while they were steeped in sin, facing his judgment, he can provide the same thing for you. If he did it for them, he can certainly do it for you too. He can give you a future and he can give you a hope. In fact, Romans 8, 28 tells us this, that God's promises they, they work out, all of them, not some, not a few, all of them 
for those who follow him. Jesus could pray God's will to be done because he trusted God's will and his plan for his life was good. So no, God didn't take away the cup from, 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 from Christ, but he did give Jesus the strength and the boldness and the courage. That's important. He needed to drink it. And there'll be times, man, when your prayers of passion, even desperation, are just not answered or you're told no. Nothing feels more painful than having a, a Gethsemane moment where God doesn't answer how you'd like him to. But Jesus' story tells us that if we keep trusting God and we keep trusting his will, he'll give us what we need to keep moving forward. One of the great takeaways, I think, from the story of Gethsemane is that Jesus is with you in your pain and your darkness and your doubt. When you shake your fist at God in frustration, when you feel discouraged and you remember this, that Christ walked in your shoes first. He didn't let his Gethsemane moment keep him from moving forward. Man, he kept praying. He kept trusting in his heavenly Father. Something else, too, I think is very important for us to understand and know here today that he couldn't have won the battle on the cross. He couldn't have won the battle in the tomb without first winning the battle in Gethsemane. It was in that place of powerful prayer and trust where Jesus chose to keep moving forward because he would rather go through hell for you than to return to heaven without you. Gethsemane is, is an interesting place. It's located in what's called the, the Mount of Olives. And if you read scripture, you very quickly learn that olive oil is pretty important. I mean, it, it's in everything. The best olive oil was virgin olive oil, still is. And you would take a large harvest of olives, you take it to a press, and to make virgin olive oil, you would have to press it one time. That first press had that untouched olive oil flowing freely, and that's what was considered holy oil. That was used to light the menorahs in the temple, and it was used in all types of religious and temple-type work. So that was important. Then you would add more weight to the press for a second time. And the oil that came out of that press was used for food and for medicine and cosmetics, that kind of thing. Still more weight would get added for a third time. And this third press would produce oil used for things like lighting houses and you know, lamps, that kind of stuff. When it was all over, after all the oil had flowed, the press would get uh, uh, raised up and you would see the olives had been crushed to nothing. There was just nothing left. Everything the olives had had been pressed and crushed and emptied until there was nothing. How fitting for Jesus to be on the Mount of Olives on this final night in the Garden of Gethsemane, whose name means olive press. On that final night, he would be pressed. He would begin to be crushed. He'd be pressed again during his trials, which, which lay ahead. He'd be pressed a final time on the cross when he looked up to heaven and with nothing left to give, he shouts, it's finished. It's over. I'm done. I've got nothing left. Some of you today, you're, you're, you're without a doubt experiencing so many moments in your life. You feel empathy for Christ, especially after this story, because man, you know, you get it. You've been there. Your, your, your prayers are long and full of anxiety and stress. You feel overwhelmed. You know how dark the night can become. You may even like that you, you can move you know, forward um, and, and you keep hitting a brick wall because you kind of feel stuck. But you got to keep going. You got to keep praying. You got to keep praying for God's will to be done. You got to keep trusting that God's will is good for you. You got to be with God in this moment. And He's with you in this Gethsemane of yours. His son was crushed for you. He was emptied for you. He, he gave all that he had. There was nothing left to give simply for you, and he will give you what you need to keep 
moving forward. Can I pray for you real quick? Father, I love you. Thank you for those who are watching and listening right now. Lord, I pray for those who are struggling here today, who are finding themselves in, in, in a Gethsemane moment. The phone call they never wanted to get, the, 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 the hospital visit they didn't want to have to make. There's, just, there's a lot of things happening right now in their lives. They feel overwhelmed. They feel hurt. They, they feel like their backs are against the wall. They can't move forward. They feel paralyzed by fear and worry and anxiety. God, I pray you would comfort each and every person who's in that kind of season. Give them peace. Give them rest. Lord, help them to keep praying, to keep trusting. As we pray, our connection with you builds and grows. As we trust in you, we learn to walk through these dark valleys, these dark moments, just like Jesus did. If we keep moving forward, we can move forward into the plan that you have for our lives. Even though that plan might be full of seasons of hurt and anxiety and pain, there is something good on the other side. There is a future and a hope for us on the other side. And I pray that future and hope is what these folks will see as they walk through this dark moment. And Lord, may you remind them they're not walking through alone. You are walking with them every step of the way, giving them the strength they need to continue moving forward when they feel like they just can't go on anymore. God, I thank you for your son that he was crushed for us and pressed for us so we could be free, so we could have freedom in you, so God, we could have rest and peace in you. And I pray that rest and peace over those who are watching and listening right now. And, and we ask all this in your mighty and precious name we pray. Amen. Thanks for Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or would like to reach out to us, you can do so by emailing us at media at radiantchurchsc.com or visit one of our social accounts on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes and give us a five-star rating on the podcast platform that you listen to. We hope you have an amazing rest of your day.